Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining with us back as we continue on in our series called Rooted. And what we're really looking at is three grounding practices that can ground your life, that can center your life, that can ensure you stay connected in your life in really a shaky and in an uncertain world. Because this is just true, although we might not like to admit it, that right now, right now, our world still really is very shaky. And it doesn't look like normal is coming back anytime soon. And even as some good things are likely happening in your life, as in mine, as like when we actually sent our kids off to school last week, there was a large celebration at our little bus stop with all the parents who were there. You know, some good things are happening. The truth of the matter is, is that our world has changed. And I know that that isn't fun to say. I know that might be even a bit of a downer, but the truth is we do need to actually recognize this, that our world has changed. And naming this is certainly better than ignoring, avoiding, or denying this. So what I want to take a look at over this series is really then, in a world that's changed, how do we make sure that we stay grounded? How do we make sure that we stay centered? How do we make sure that we stay rooted in what is good and what God is doing both in us and the world around us? I think that this is something that not only do we need, I think it's something that we need to really be focusing in on in this time when things really are changing. And so over this series, we've been taking a look at then three things that will ground you and will get you rooted in a shaky and uncertain world. Uh, they are prayer, care, and sacrifice. And last week, we began by taking a look at prayer in the life of Jesus. And today, today I want to continue by looking at prayer in your life and in mine and how we might learn to hear the voice of God. Because here's what I've become convinced of over this past year, and especially even this past week, I've become more and more convinced of this than ever. It's that if we as Christians, if we as Christians want to be faithful to Jesus, we need to learn to hear the voice of Jesus in our lives. I want to say that again because I believe that this is absolutely crucial and critical for each and every one of us, that if we as followers of Jesus want to follow Jesus faithfully, we need to actually learn to hear his voice within our lives, that this matters immensely for you and for me, that if we really do want to be able to follow him well and to follow him in a shaky and in an uncertain world, we need to get grounded in the voice of Jesus. We need to follow what it is he asks us to do. We need to learn to hear his voice well. And I just think that this really does matter for each and every one of us, because here's what we affirm as Christians, okay? What we affirm as Christians is that Jesus Christ is alive, amen? Like you say amen to that, that he is alive, which means what? Which means that he's still leading, he's still guiding, and he's still directing. And we have the opportunity as Christians to really listen to him. And in a world that is changing so quickly and so fast that none of us have really ever experienced before, with so much stuff that is going on, what we need now more than ever is a clarity and a willingness and an openness to hear the voice of Jesus in our lives. Because this is just true. This is just true. That sometimes, anyone want to just admit to this, sometimes it can be difficult to discern Jesus' voice in our lives. There's lots of fake voices and false voices and competing voices. But I really believe if we are going to be grounded in a shaky world, it begins by learning not only to pray, but especially in prayer, learning to hear the voice of Jesus. Because what COVID has convinced me of, what COVID has absolutely convinced me of, and what I believe COVID has actually revealed, it has revealed the deep necessity and challenge that Christians have in hearing the voice of God. That's what I really believe this past year has really shown to me, and it's really revealed that there is a real both challenge and a necessity for Christians to learn to hear the voice of God. There is a necessity in the fact that right now, none of us have ever been through this before. None of us are actually in control. And this is just true for you as it is for me. None of us are sufficiently amazing to be able to actually navigate our ways through all that we are facing without Jesus. We need to be able to learn, to listen, to hear him, to follow him in a changing world. I think that this matters because while 
it might be a little bit cliched, it's also true. I never had a class in seminary on how to lead a church through a pandemic. You probably didn't have one about your business or how to maintain friendships in a pandemic or whatever it is. This is new for so many of us, which means that we need to rely on Jesus now more than ever. So I think COVID-19 has really revealed is really the necessity for Christians to learn to hear the voice of Jesus if we're going to be grounded in a shaky world. What I think COVID-19 has also revealed is also revealed the challenge of Christians in hearing the voice of Jesus in their life. Because when I look at the church in Western North America, when I look at all that is happening, when I look at the amount of division, when I look at the amount of disagreement, and when I look at the amount of confusion, all I can say and all I can kind of really uh, come to is that there is a real lack of people being able to hear and discern the voice of Jesus. That when we look at the church in the Western uh, world and we see such anger and polarization and division, lots of people want to say that this is a crisis of truth, that this is a crisis of leadership. I want to say what this is. This is a crisis of discipleship and the fact that we need to learn to hear Jesus' voice deeper and clearer and better than ever. So what I think COVID-19 has really revealed is the necessity for us to hear the voice of Jesus, but we're also seeing the challenge with it with so much confusion and uh, disagreement all over the place. So what I want to take a look at today is I want to take a look at how do we learn to hear the voice of God? How do we learn to hear the voice of Jesus in your life and in mine? How do we learn to pay attention to what he is saying? Because here's my belief, okay? Here's my belief. I believe that Jesus is speaking, amen? I believe that he is speaking. I believe that he is talking. I believe that he is actually seeking to guide and to lead you as well as me. The question is, is are we listening? Are we able to discern his voice? And then are we able to follow it? That's what I want to take a look at today. I want to take a look at how do you discern and hear and know the voice of God in and through prayer. And to do that, to do that today, what I want to address is uh, three things. I first want to address uh, three myths when it comes to prayer, okay? Three things that I constantly encounter when I'm talking with people, when we're doing kind of pastoral ministry, all that kind of stuff. I want to take a look at three myths when it comes to prayer and hearing the voice of God. And then what I want to take a look at are three scriptural truths that you can really ground your life in when it comes to prayer and hearing the voice of God. So first, I want to talk a little bit about three different myths when it comes to prayer and to hearing the voice of God. The first myth that I often hear um, within the church in general is that people assume that everyone knows how to pray but them. This is a myth I run into all the time, that there are many people in our church and in churches all over North America who assume that everybody else kind of gets prayer or is competent at prayer or really understands it but them. But there is this feeling that for many people in North America, I actually do really believe in the church, many people don't know how to pray well. They aren't sure about prayer. They aren't sure how to discern God's voice. But we don't often talk about it. So if you ever struggle with prayer, if you're ever unsure whether you're hearing God's voice in your heart and mind or something else or a competing voice or a false voice, if you ever struggle with all of this, what I want to say right off the bat is that you are not alone is that many people struggle with prayer, many people struggle with discerning the voice of God, and that's some of what we want to talk about here today. So the first myth is that everybody understands how to pray, how to pray. and I just don't think that that's actually true. I think many people struggle with it and they go through seasons within it, and it's important for us to talk about it, which is why we want to do that today. The second kind of myth that I've often encountered when it comes to prayer and hearing the voice of God is that some people really believe that prayer really isn't for everyone. That prayer might work for some people, that prayer might be for you know, other people, but that prayer really isn't for you know, kind of everyone. And what I mean by this is that there are some people who just feel that they don't really connect well in prayer. 
And I think part of the reason that this has happened is because often when it comes to prayer, we've kind of taught it towards maybe a certain style or personality of people, right? Like if you are really into like silence, mornings, like reading and quiet and time alone, you might feel like kind of geared towards prayer. But if you're really maybe an active person, a tangible person, someone who really likes like outdoors things or whatever, you might not feel that prayer is for you. But here's what I want to say really, really clearly, okay? I believe that prayer is for everyone, and I believe that there are more ways to pray than we realize or practice, okay? I want to say that again. I believe that prayer is for everyone, and I believe that there are more ways to pray than we realize or practice, because when it comes to prayer, when it comes to actually connecting with God, you can do that through silence, through meditation, through contemplation, for sure, through stillness, but you can also do it through like a walk, through going gardening, through actually going hiking, through worshiping, through woodworking, through so many different ways that I think what we have done is we have reduced what prayer is and we need to expand it actually. We need to actually expand what prayer is because what prayer is at its heart is connecting with a creator who loves you and that can happen in so many different and varied ways and we need to really kind of regain the full expression of them. So today, Today, when I'm talking about prayer, I'm not just talking about sitting silently with Jesus, although that is beautiful and necessary and important. I'm talking about all the ways that you can connect with your Savior who loves you and that is so wide and varied and diverse as the world is around us. And so to help us even understand that and uh, experience some different ways of praying, uh, today at the very end of the sermon, I'm going to actually introduce you to a different prayer exercise, that one that you may or may not be familiar with that might help you to actually kind of expand your toolbox of prayer. And if you're interested in learning about different ways to pray and different ways to connect with Jesus, I'd really encourage you to go to prayercourse.org. It's a great website. And on it, there are 30 different ways that you can kind of learn to pray and to connect with God. So the first myth that we've kind of taken a look at is that everybody gets out of praying. The second myth that we've really taken a look at um, is really that prayer isn't for everyone, but I really do believe it is. And the last myth of prayer that I want to take a look at here today with us together is this idea, and I've encountered it so very often, that if you're good at prayer, it will be easy. That if you're good at prayer, it'll be natural. That if you're good at prayer, it'll come really smoothly. And of course, even in my own prayer life, there are times when prayer comes almost like spontaneously, naturally, where it's really smooth and there's this deep connection between myself and God. But there's also real times of difficulty within prayer because this is just true. Sometimes prayer is difficult, but we have this weird idea in the West. We have this weird idea in the West that we should be able to be good at something without putting in much effort. Do you want to know what that's called? It's called consumerism, actually. Right? And prayer runs counter to that. Prayer is not about uh, consumerism or just consuming. Prayer is about connecting and communing with God. So what I want to say really clearly is that if you ever struggle at prayer, if you get distracted in prayer, if there are times of difficulty in prayer, that is normal and to be expected. And we should really expect that prayer at times might be a bit difficult at times if we take the Bible seriously. Because what the Bible teaches us is that we as people, that we are broken. What the Bible teaches us is that we have distorted desires, is that there is an enemy who seeks to distract us and to accuse us. So it would be no shock at all that when we come to prayer, there might be times where we get distracted, or it might be difficult, or it might not just come as easily as we might want. And so I just think it's important for us to name that if at times when you're praying, you struggle, you get distracted, that does not mean you are bad, that does not mean you are bad at prayer, that simply is part of prayer. And so I just want to uh, remind us of that fact that when it comes to prayer, uh, our expectation should not be always that it is easy, effortless, and smooth. That when it comes to prayer, our expectation should be that we are seeking to open ourselves up to God and to hear from Him. And sometimes, sometimes that requires some work and some effort and some time and even some discipline. And that's why, as I said last week, we call prayer a spiritual discipline. So when it comes to praying, those are three myths that I've really encountered often in the church and in people and in Christians. Those are three kind of ideas that first, uh, when it comes to prayer, that everybody else kind of assumes that they know how to do it. 
right, that people don't struggle with it. The second real myth is really um, that prayer isn't for everyone. When I really do believe it is for everyone and we all need to be praying and the ways that we can pray are so varied and rich and diverse and we should actually be exploring them. And then the third myth is just that prayer should be easy when it's done rightly. And that is just, it's just not true. There is times of effort within prayer because prayer is really a relationship with God and that requires time and effort too. So those are three myths that I think are often a part of prayer and hearing the voice of God. To counteract those three myths, what I want to do today is I want to give you three biblical real truths that can ground your life in prayer and connecting with God. And I want to take a look at them uh, through actually John 10. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to John 10. And in the book of John 10, we're going to see uh, Jesus speaking, and he's going to give us uh, lots of different insights into lots of different areas. And often, this passage is about salvation and kind of taken from that lens, and that's a very true lens to take with this passage. But today, I want to take it through the lens of prayer and to see what can we learn about our prayer life, about hearing the voice of God, about actually discerning what it is that he has for us because I do deeply believe this that if we are ever going to get grounded and rooted in a shaky world we need to learn to hear the voice of Jesus so let's listen to what he says and then I'm going to uh, share with you three biblical truths from this passage okay so we read this this is Jesus speaking he says I tell you the truth anyone who sneaks over the uh, over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber but the one who enters the gate is a shepherd of the sheep he says this, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and they come out to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. And Jesus says this, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. Which means that if you are ever reading the Gospels and you don't understand what Jesus means with something, you're actually in good company because lots of people around him didn't always understand what he was talking about either. These are parables. These are stories he's using. And so Jesus explained it to them. He, tells, he says this. He says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but, true, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks him and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's only working for the money and doesn't truly care about the sheep. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and they know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, so I will sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too, and they are not in the sheepfold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. And now obviously there's a lot going on in this passage. There's a lot that Jesus is using as imagery, and there's a lot that is happening. But today I want to pull out three things that matter for your prayer life and connecting with God and that matter for mine. And the first is just this, that in this passage, we see really clearly who Jesus is. That in this passage, what we see really clearly is who Jesus is. And this really matters because follow with me. If your view of Jesus is off, your view of God will be off. And then the trajectory of your life will also be off, right? That's just how it works. If your view of Jesus is off, your view of who God is will be off. And then actually the trajectory of your life, where you're headed with your life, that will also be off. But what we see so absolutely unequivocally clearly in this passage is that Jesus is what? He's called what? He's called the good shepherd, which means what? which means that Jesus at his heart is good. 
that Jesus Christ is good, that Jesus is good. And I just don't think we should skip past this. I know this might seem simple. I might know this might seem in some ways basic, but it matters immensely because what this passage is teaching us is that when we come to Jesus in prayer, when we come to him to connect with him, what can we can be assured of is that Jesus Christ is good. And the passage makes it clear about how he is good and what a good shepherd does. And this passage tells us that the good shepherd does two things specifically. That one, he sacrifices his life for his sheep. And the second is, is that he leads them into life. Right? I want to read to you a few of the passage again, just to notice what Jesus says that he does. He says this, he says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Or as I memorized it as a child, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or the KGV, I actually think, does a beautiful job with this verse. Puts it this way. It says, I have come that they may have life, and they might have it uh, abundantly more. This is the promise of Jesus. That as a good shepherd, as someone who is good, what he is going to do is he's going to lead his sheep, his followers, his believers, right? He's going to lead us into goodness, into life, into abundantly more, into a rich, satisfying, full life. This is the promise of Jesus and who he is. He also then promises us that he will give up his life. He says this, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And so here what we should get grounded on really clearly is our view of Jesus. That Jesus Christ is good. He is the one who will lead us into a good and full and satisfying life. He is also the one who will sacrifice his life for us. And this matters immensely. Because what this means is that when we come to Jesus in prayer, when we come to connect with him, when we come to have that moment with him and to hear his voice, guess what? We are not coming to some angry, vengeful, wrathful deity that doesn't care about us and is kind of distant and disengaged. That is not what this passage teaches us at all. What this passage teaches us is that when we come to Jesus, we can be assured of who it is that we are coming towards. We can be assured that we are coming towards a good shepherd who cares for you and who cares for me, who sacrifices his life for all of us and is here so that he might lead us into full and abundant life. That's what he says so clearly. So when we come to prayer, we know that we can then come to Jesus boldly. We don't know that we can come to him actually with such openness and vulnerability because we know what it is that we will receive. We know what it is that we will actually encounter with Jesus, that we will encounter a good shepherd, one who cares for you and cares for me. So the first thing I think that we see in this passage, really, that should ground our prayer life is that we know who then Jesus is, that he is good and that he sacrifices his life for us and that he wants to lead us into what is good. The second thing that I think we start to see in this passage, if we kind of uh, pay attention to it, is we start to see what Jesus will do. And that's really that role of the shepherd, that what Jesus will do is that he will guide and lead us, direct and protect us. That's something else that Jesus will do if we come to him, that he will guide and lead us, direct and protect us. That in that day and age, Jesus is using really metaphors that his people would get. Right? That in Jesus' day and age, what the shepherd did was to protect sheep from uh, predators, from wild animals, and then also lead them into spaces where they will actually you know, find nourishment, uh, green pastures, still waters, to find some actual life and some hope. Um, that's what he's kind of using as a metaphor here in this passage. Because what you might not realize, and I didn't realize it either until I actually went to Israel, is how much of Israel is just actually like rock. It is like barren. It is like wild and waste. So in that day and age and in that culture then, a shepherd was incredibly important because it was up to the shepherd to really guide the sheep to the spaces that would provide life, to the spaces that would provide nourishment and to protect them. And so Jesus is using that exact same metaphor with us, saying that if we would come to him, if we would follow him, what he's going to do is he's going to guide us to places for nourishment, for rest, for support, for life, for hope. That's what's going on. 
Listen to the verses again that he says. He says, I am the gate and those who come through me will be saved. He says this, they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. That's about nourishment, rest. That's about actually finding all that you need, right? That's about renewal. He says that the thief's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. He says, my purpose, though, is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. So what this passage tells us about Jesus is not only who we will encounter, someone who is good. This passage also then teaches us what Jesus will do when we come to him, that he will guide us, he will protect us, right? That he's different than the thief, that he will actually lead us and direct us. That's the promise in this passage. That when you come to Jesus, you can know what it is that you'll encounter. A good shepherd who will then seek to guide and to lead you, to direct and protect you. That's what this passage is all about. And I don't know about you, but for me in COVID-19, this is immensely, immensely meaningful. Because I'm not exactly sure always the best ways to go, what always to do. But that's the beautiful part about following Jesus is you don't always need to know. Instead, what you need to do is to trust in the Savior who does know, who promises that he will lead, guide, protect you. That as this pastor says, he will take you to those places of green pasture. He will lead you to a rich and satisfying life. This is what Jesus is interested in doing. And when we come to him in prayer, and when we come to him to listen and to commune with him and to connect with him, this is what we can be assured of. So the first two truths that we learn from this passage is that Jesus is good and that he is going to guide us into what is good. The third and the last uh, kind of biblical truth I want to share with you is something that I believe is immensely important, and that's just this. That if you're a follower of Jesus, you already know the voice of God. That if you are the follower of Jesus, you already know the voice of God. Now, I think when it comes to our lives, I think there are uh, many Christians who might assume actually that term like the voice of God, they might not know what that means. They might actually feel like they're almost like a second class uh, Christian or a second class kind of citizen in the kingdom of God. That sometimes we give this impression that some Christians are like superstars and other people aren't sure what's going on or whatever. But what I'll make really, really clear is biblically um, that you already, if you're a follower of Jesus, you already know the voice of Jesus within you. That there is no way for you to be actually a Christian. There is no way for you to be a follower of Jesus. There is no way for you to actually respond to him if you haven't already heard and known his voice deep within. I just think that this matters a lot for us to actually get centered on is that when we come to prayer, guess what? You already know the voice of God within. You do. And I know uh, sometimes the enemy might whisper to us that we don't. I know sometimes we might have our insecurities whisper to us that we don't know the voice of God well. Or even other people might tell us that we don't know the voice of God well. But you know what Jesus says? Jesus says that his sheep know his voice. Let me say that again. Jesus says that his sheep know his voice. Listen to what he says. This is so unquestionably clear. And I think it matters for us so immensely when we come to prayer to know that we are already connected to Jesus and we already know his voice. Listen to what he says. And the sheep recognize his voice and come out to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. He also says this, after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Or Jesus at the end says, and they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. What Jesus says unquestionably clear in this passage is that Jesus' sheep know his voice, which just means this, that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus, if you trust in Jesus, if he's your savior, guess what? You already know the voice of God. You might question it. You might be unsure of it. You might need to spend some more time discerning it. But here's the truth is that you already know the voice of God. That's what this passage is revealing to us, that Jesus says that his sheep know his voice. And I think that this matters for us immensely because what this means, what this means is that when we come to prayer then, 
When we come to prayer, we're not starting from a place of uh, disconnection. We're not starting from a place of no recognition with God's voice. We're not starting from a place of distance. Instead, when we come to prayer, what this means when Jesus says that his sheep will know his voice is that we are starting from a place where Jesus knows us and we do know him. That's the beginning point of prayer. That when we come to prayer, we're starting from a place where Jesus knows us and we know him and we know his voice. That's what this passage teaches us so clearly. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. They will listen to my voice. So what this means is that if you go to prayer and you are feeling disconnected and distant, if you feel really inadequate, if you feel so insecure, I can get all of those feelings. I feel that so often as well. But what this uh, means for us is that we do need to get centered on what the Bible teaches us. And that's really simple that uh, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. They will listen to my voice. What that means is, is that when you come to prayer, what you can be assured of is that Jesus is speaking to you and you can know and hear his voice. That's what this promise means for each and every one of us. And this really matters. Because for some of you, you've always felt as if you're like a second-class Christian, that some people hear the voice of God, but you don't, or that you're not spiritual enough, or that you feel left out on something. But what I want to say unequivocally clear is that if you know and trust Jesus, you do know his voice deep within. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what Jesus himself says, and we need to get centered on this. If we are ever going to have a real deep relationship with Jesus, we need to know that it begins with the place that he knows us, and we do know his voice. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean it's always easy to discern everything about Jesus. It doesn't mean that prayer is always, you know, simple and straightforward. No, we've already covered that. Sometimes prayer is difficult, but what it means is when we come to prayer, we are not starting in a place of disconnection. We are starting with a good shepherd who loves you and who speaks to you. And you're also starting with the fact that you do know his voice deep within, because follow with me, there is no way you could ever accept Jesus without first responding to Jesus. There is no way you could ever become a Christian without actually hearing his voice in his call towards you first. So you do know his voice deep within. The question then is, how do we learn to continue to hear it? How do we learn to continue to discern it? How do we learn to continue to follow it? But the beginning point of prayer is not disconnection from Jesus, it's connection. That Jesus says, I know my sheep and they know my voice. And this is true for you and this is true for me and this is true for anyone who chooses to follow in Jesus. So what does this all mean for us today? Well, today what I really wanted to cover was just really this kind of main idea, that in a really shaky and uncertain world, what we need uh, to be grounded and rooted is, we need to learn to hear the voice of Jesus. And so we began by really exploring three myths that are very common in Christianity. First, that everyone knows how to pray but us, right? This is so often assumed um, that people don't realize that lots of people struggle with prayer. The second myth is really that prayer is for some people, but not everyone. But truthfully, it is for every single person. And the ways to pray are so diverse that we need to lean into them. And then the third myth really is this idea that if we do prayer rightly, it should be easy. But that's untrue because prayer is really a spiritual discipline and it does take work and effort. And then we learned really three biblical truths that we can build our lives on when we come towards Jesus in prayer. The first is that Jesus is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. You can be assured of that, that when you come to him, that he'll be good towards you because Jesus is the good shepherd. The second thing we learned is really that Jesus will lead us, that he will guide us. And it's clear how he's going to do that. First, he's going to sacrifice for us. And then the text tells us that he will lead us into abundant life, to a rich, full, satisfying life. That when we come towards uh, Jesus in prayer, what it is that he will do is he will guide us, he will lead us, he will direct us, and he will protect us. That's what this passage teaches us. 
And the third thing is, is that when we come towards God, we are not starting in a place of deficit. We're not starting in a place of disconnection. We're starting with the fact that Jesus knows us and we know his voice. This is the beginning place of prayer, that Jesus knows us and that we know his voice. So what does this mean for us all here today? What's my main point? My main point is really just this, that Jesus is good, he will lead us into what is good, and he will do this through his voice. That Jesus is good, he will lead us into what is good, and he will do this through his voice. And I believe that we need to learn to hear the voice of Jesus more now than ever. In a world that, as I said, is changing so much, there's so much stuff going on, what we need is a real clarity and discernment of how Jesus is leading us. We need to learn to hear his voice. So how do we do that then? If we are sure that he is speaking to us, because this passage says he is, right? That he is speaking and that his sheep will know his voice. How do we then learn to discern Jesus' voice amidst all the other competing voices, false voices, fake voices, you know, other things that are going on in our hearts and our minds, all the distractions? Well, today I want to give you a few ideas for how you can begin to learn to really discern the voice of God in your life and how I might as well. The first is really just this, that if we're going to come to learn to hear the voice of God, it begins actually by learning to hear the voice of God really in community with others. I think it's an important thing for us to actually learn how to hear the voice of God uh, with other people. This is why we want to encourage you in your home churches this week to really be talking about prayer. How do you hear the voice of God? What do you struggle with? Where are their difficulties? And to really talk and open up about that. That when it comes towards prayer, communal discernment really matters, especially when we're learning to hear the voice of Jesus. So one of the first things is really to engage in community because it's really hard to tell the voice of God without other really strong, mature Christians pouring into your life. The second way I want to encourage you to really learn to start to hear the voice of God is to to try different prayer practices. That, as I said, really, the ways to pray are so varied. There are so many. And I want to encourage you to try some different ways to pray that might connect with you deeper. You can find lots of them, as I said, on uh, prayercourse.org. There's about 30 there that you can give a a shot with. You can try some different ways of praying. And in just a moment, we're actually going to end with a prayer exercise uh, that might be different or new for some of you. you. So if you want to grow in learning to hear the voice of God, connect in community, try some different ways to pray. And then the third thing I want to invite you into is really to just continue to practice it. That prayer is a discipline. It does take some time and effort. Continue to really just open up your life towards Jesus. Spend time each day asking Jesus, what is it that you are saying to me? So often in prayer, I think what we do is we come towards Jesus and we pour out everything that is within us. That is totally legitimate. That is what Jesus did that we saw last week. But what we also need to do is spend some time listening to him, to hear him so that we might follow him. And so practically today, what I want to do to close is to actually lead you in a prayer exercise that can help us to learn to hear the voice of God. This is just one of many different kinds of way to pray. It might be new to some of you. Some of you might have heard it or practiced it before. It's a way of praying actually that millions of Christians have actually learned to hear the voice of God through. And what it's called is a simple two words. It's called Lectio Divina. And I want to lead you in this here today together. Uh, Before you get any weirded out by the name, Lectio Divina is just Latin, and what it means is really just this. It means sacred reading. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to read Scripture really slowly. That's what Lectio Divina is really all about. It's about savoring Scripture. It's about paying attention to Scripture. It's about learning to hear the voice of Jesus in and through Scripture. Because this is just true. That while you can hear God's voice really anywhere and through anything, really, where you really learn to recognize God's voice is in and through Scripture, okay? I want to say that again because I think that this really matters. That if you want to learn to, to know the voice of God, starting to pay attention to Scripture matters immensely because it's in Scripture that you start to learn to recognize the voice of Jesus. 
Because when you learn scripture, what you realize is the kinds of things that Jesus would say, right? The kinds of things that he has said, the tone of voice that Jesus has, right? You also learn the kinds of things that Jesus would not say. This is really helpful for us when we're trying to practice discernment over what God is telling us or not. We need scripture because it provides the boundaries and the guidelines and really the rules for the things that Jesus would say and that he wouldn't say. And so paying attention to scripture matters immensely. So praying scripture is really a great way to learn to hear the voice of God because scripture already is the voice of God to us. So as I read this passage, you know, three times, I really want to invite you then to just be paying attention to what kind of jumped out, what grabs your heart. And as I read it though, especially the second and the third time, I want to invite you to ask a few questions. To just ask, God, why is it that you might be giving this to me? God, why is it that you might be drawing my attention to this particular phrase or, you know, word or whatever it may be? Why is it, God, that you are giving this piece of scripture to me? I want to invite you to use that as a moment to pray with God, to let him direct you in and through that, to really open yourself up to him and to continue praying to him with whatever may grab your heart, mind, and soul. I want to invite you to listen to God's voice in and through scripture and then to really spend time in praying with him. That's what Lectio Divina is all about. So I'm going to read it uh, three times. I'm going to read it slowly, invite you just to listen to God's spirit in and through this and to let him direct you. And then when something does grab your attention, pray with him about that. Why might he have given this to you? What does it maybe mean for you? And what might he want you to be leading you into with that? That's what I want to invite you to do. And so what's my uh, main point today? My main point is really simple, that Jesus is good and he wants to lead us into what is good. And he does that through his voice. And then today what my challenge is, is really for us to start to learn to listen to the voice of God. And one way to do that is through this practice of Lectio Divina. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're simply going to lead us into this reading a passage of scripture you may know well. The passage of scripture actually is Psalm 23. But because I'm me, and um, because we like to do things sometimes a little bit differently, what I've done with Psalm 23, because for many of us it would be so very familiar, what I've done is I've made a targum of what Psalm 23 is. Uh, uh, targum is a rabbinic actually practice where you take a piece of scripture and then you use other pieces of scripture to explain it. I'll give you an idea. So Psalm 23 says this, the Lord is my shepherd. What I will read is this, the Lord is my shepherd, the one who watches over me, the one who comes to seek and find me, the one whose voice I know deep within. And anyone maybe recognize those extra three lines, right? Those are actually just pieces of scripture that we've pulled from John 10, where Jesus says the sheep will know his voice. And also uh, from Luke 10, where Jesus says that he will leave the 99 to go in to seek and find the one. So we're just going to use scripture to explain other scripture. And through this, hopefully for us to be able to hear God's voice deeper and clearer than perhaps we have. And this is a practice that, as I said, many Christians have practiced and prayed over the years. I want to invite you into trying it, even if it's new for the first time, and that perhaps today you might hear God's voice in and through this as we read and as we listen, and most of all, as we focus in on his voice. So with that, would you join with me in prayer today? God, as we come towards a moment to really listen and to hear from you, I pray, God, would you open up our hearts? Would you open up our minds? Would you open up our eyes to see you? God, I pray against any distractions that so often flood in the moment that we seek to actually connect with you. And instead, Lord, I pray, would we hear your voice speaking to us? Would we know your voice deep within? God, would those words of scripture where you say that my sheep know my voice be so true in this moment, would we hear from you? Would we be guided by you? Would we have the courage to follow you? And so, Lord, as we come to this, we are so grateful that you are good and that you have sacrificed your life for us and that you seek to lead us into life. So might we hear from you so that we might follow you. And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. A Targum, a Psalm 23. The Lord 
is my shepherd, the one who watches over me, the one who comes to seek and to find me, the one whose voice I know deep within. With a Lord like this, I don't need a thing. You take care of my needs, leading me to rest for my soul and body. You renew my strength. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction, displaying your faithfulness at all times. And even when that way goes through Death Valley, when depression, darkness, and death stalk me, I will not be afraid because you, you walk at my side. You never leave me in the darkness, you walk me through it. Your power, your protection, and your presence makes me feel secure knowing that you are there. And in the midst of calamity and onslaught, in front of my taunters, disbelievers, scoffers, and enemies, you come and you prepare a full meal for me, welcoming me into your home, anointing my head with oil, claiming me as yours and yours alone. And my cup, it brims with blessings. Your beauty and your love, they chase after me every day of my life. And I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. The one who watches over me. The one who comes to seek and to find me. The one whose voice I know deep within. With a Lord like this, I don't need a thing. You take care of my needs, leading me to rest for my soul and my body. You renew my strength. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and you send me in the right direction, displaying your faithfulness at all times. And even when that way goes through Death Valley, when depression, darkness, and death stalk me, I will not be afraid because you, you walk at my side. You never leave me in the darkness, you walk me through it. Your power, your protection, and your presence makes me feel secure, knowing that you are there. And in the midst of calamity and onslaught, in front of my taunters, disbelievers, scoffers, and enemies, you come and you prepare a full meal for me, welcoming me into your home, anointing my head with oil, claiming me as yours and yours alone. My cup now, it brims with blessings. Your beauty and your love, they chase after me every day of my life. And I'm back home now in the house of God for the rest of my life. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, the one who watches over me, the one who comes to seek and to find me the one whose voice I know deep within. With a Lord like this, I don't need a thing. You take care of my needs, leading me to rest for my soul and body. You, you renew my strength. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction, displaying your faithfulness at all times. And even when that way goes through Death Valley, when depression, darkness, and death stalk me, I will not be afraid because you walk at my side. You will never leave me in the darkness, you walk me through it. Your power, protection, and presence 
makes me feel secure, knowing, knowing that you are there. And in the midst of calamity and onslaught, in front of my taunters, disbelievers, scoffers, and enemies, you come and you prepare a full meal for me, welcoming me into your home, anointing my head with oil, and claiming me as yours and yours alone. My cup, it brims with blessings. Your beauty and your love, they chase after me every day of my life. And I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. So God, I pray. Might we continue to listen for your voice in this moment? Might we continue, Lord, to contemplate perhaps what it is you have maybe shared with us, what it is that maybe tugs at our heart, what it is that resonates with us. And I pray, God, that as we seek to listen to your voice, God, would we hear it so clearly so that we might follow you. And as we come to this moment of just a time of worship here together, I pray, God, would we continue to be praying, would we continue to be connecting, and most of all, would we be continuing to be listening to the fact that you are the good shepherd who speaks and that we as your sheep do know your voice. We pray this all in your name. Amen.